The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Dave Gillam is my special guest and we're taking your calls on everything from winter beauty, cherry trees and Jersey lilies. We've got some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Jeff in Chumpsford. Hello, Ken and Dave. Hi there. Very good morning to you. Um, I've got a clematis winter beauty, and it's termed as the best winter clematis you'll ever grow. Well, I've got one got two of them actually one is in a 37 millimeter pot and it's against a, a north fence which is facing south and the other one's in a tub and one's in the ground one's in the ground one's in a tub but they've got lovely green leaves they're up in a frame which i bought from the supplier which um is a plastic one you know and it goes up four foot mm-hmm. and uh, it's doing nothing at all there's no buds or anything on it but it is lovely and green. The leaves are green, yes. But yeah. no buds. And I fed it with water. The uh, supplier told me that um, I should, keep, should have kept it watered during the summer hot months, and that yep. could have uh, disturbed it. But I've kept it watered, yeah, both of them. I don't, I don't think the... I mean, <laughs> I like the supplier's comment, you should have kept it watered in the summer. Well, I mean, seriously, if you hadn't kept it watered, it'd be, it'd dead, be dead, wouldn't it? So <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that that's a very good answer, but you needn't tell us where it came from. No. You needn't tell us about the supplier. But winter beauty, I mean, some of those, those winter flowering clematis are fantastic, aren't they? They are, yeah, but they're, they're not always out. as reliable as the summer flowering ones, no. f- as far as flowering is concerned. Quite often they do have to establish and actually get through... You know, summer, winter, and into a normal season. Um, the plant's green, it's growing, it's happy. There is no reason for it not to flower culturally if the plant's happy. But sometimes when they're fairly young plants, they just choose not to throw much out. Or sometimes they f- they give you the flower later. Yeah. So, you I've know, I, I haven't noticed a lot of flower on any of our plants, certainly on the benches at the moment. There's some tiny little buds in some of them. Um, and I think sometimes young plants, which, you know, any plant under five years to me is a young plant, yeah. hasn't yeah, settled is, into yeah. a, a flowering normal routine. However, I was in a garden yesterday and was in where full it's, um, <laughs> I'm just trying, I think it was Whitley Cream, which is mm. another one, Cirrhosa. It's yeah. a part of Cirrhosas, aren't they? Yeah. And that is, it's climbed up into a hawthorn or a blackthorn tree behind the garden. <laughs> and it's in full, it's sitting literally on the top of this tree and it's all in, in flower. Full growth, yeah. But it's, it must be 20 years old. You yeah. Know? So yeah. I think, I think a bit of patience. Now, Jeff, you just said, and in fact, David, I looked at each other. You said one of them is in a 37, did you say 37 centimetre pot? Um, well, it must be set, uh, yeah. it's about 14 and a half, 15 inches diameter. Yeah, so centimetres, that, yeah. I, You see, I th- you, we both looked at each other and I think that's a bit small, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it'd be all right for the first year or so, but you probably do want to think about getting it into a bigger pot um, for long term. The problem would be if, if it grows up all your supports and your trellis and so on, and then you come to pot it up, it's quite hard um, to do that without dismantling it off of the trellis and, and getting it in there. So... 
I would yes. perhaps consider sort of enlarging that, um, and then you should. And in the summer, it'll heat up because it's a small pot. It'll yeah. heat the roots up too much. Yeah. yeah. That's the one they supplied. But what would you term as a better pot to put it in if I didn't um, put you, it? In you want to be getting into the two 18, foot, two eighteen foot. to two eighteen foot. Eighteen to two foot. Two foot. And yeah. then and then it can stay there. Then it won't need to you know be messed about with. Oh. see, they supplied this uh, pot with it when um, with one of them. And uh, the other one, as I say, I only bought the one pot, so I put the other one in the garden. Yeah, quite often they're supplied for a period of time, but not necessarily for the life of the plant. You know, and it's not always good to put a, a young plant in a massive pot straight away because by the time the roots are out there and the plant's using the space, the food's gone, the compost is sort of deteriorating. So it's not yeah. a bad thing, but just bear in mind that it will long-term need a larger pot. Yeah, because I got it in January, February this time last year. So yeah. it is a young plant then, isn't it? Yeah. No, I wouldn't worry. The plant is happy. The flowers will come. Okay. Okay. Right. Do I need any feed on it or... I'll give it some feed. Um, certainly, um, coming into spring, it'd be worth just dusting a bit of bloodfish and bone or grow more or anything like that, just a granular feed onto the pot um, because, you know, all compost, the foods generally only last four to six, uh, four to eight weeks. Oh, um, right. So it would so- soon have exhausted that. Right. Okay. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, that, Dave. That's a pleasure, Jeff, from Chelmsford, asking about a winter flowering clematis. How's your doing? If yours is in beauty, you know, you can always upset Jeff by telling him you've got a really <laughs> lovely one. Um, and let's now go to Pam and Morden, as promised. Hello, Pam. Hello. Um, I want to ask Ken if he can tell me if it's suitable for my husband to dig up the cherry tree, the morello cherry tree, which has been in the ground for about... 10 to 11 years um, but it's it's bending over rather drastically and it gets in the way when he mows the lawn <laughs> are you, are I, you, I would like it if it's possible for him to replant it somewhere else what's the chances of it Ooh, Dave <laughs> 10 to 12 year old yeah. I'd put them quite low very uh, low unless, unless oh. your, your husband is very strong and can lift a very large root ball out the ground without disturbing very much root but I yeah, I wouldn't. It. I wouldn't like to uh, bet bet on it. Really, I neither think. would I. I th- I'm sorry to lose it because although it didn't have bear much fruit last year, um, the year before it produced lovely uh, abundance of fruit, and mm. I made some jam with it, which was absolutely lovely. I can't remember get, getting one delivered here, Pam. A cherry <laughs> jam? Can you? No, no, no I missed no, out on no, that one. Looked, looked out for that one. Anyway, Pam, here's a thought. I mean, how how long how high's the stem on your Morello cherry? The stem before the crown uh, opens up. Uh, let me have a look. Is it about four or five feet? Yes, that's about it. Yes. Could you not, in the summer, prune off some of the side shoots and get a bit more height out of the inner growth to make it easier for mowing? It it might be possible, but he he. Taking a dislike to the tree, I think. <laughs> and uh, it, it does bear a, an abundance of sticky mess. Yes. You can the aphids on it, yeah. I think we cut it right back beyond, just be, behind the sticky mess last year. Um, and it didn't, it didn't bear much fruit, but what did because of the, dry, the drought? Yeah, you've got to be careful, though. If you cut back too much of that growth, you'll be cutting off next year's uh, bud formation. Yes. So it's, norm- be- it's normally aphids in the centres, certainly on cherries, yeah. that, that cause that mess. So 
if you can sort of give them an early early season spray just to sort of prevent that happening, then it'd probably be better. Is there any way you could um, put a, a, an angled stake in and over time straighten it? That's a, that's a possibility. Yeah. I slowly I pull it up. We've got many years left here, so I, I think <laughs> probably we'll um, we'll abandon it. Well, either that or get him to duck as he goes round yeah. it. <laughs> How about that? Okay, thank Pam, you. Pam, thank you, but we've been honest with you and I really think that you're not on a bit of a winner there, I'm afraid. I really don't. Um, don't forget that number to call is 0800 111 That's 0800 111 uh, You can text straight into the studio here. 81333, pop Essex on the front, and we'll deal with that query as well. We're going to talk to Joyce now in Colchester. Hello, Joyce. Hello. Now, I wonder if you can help me here. Um, when do I plant Jersey lily bulbs? Only mine have multiplied so much. Uh, I've had to dig them up, and I've promised them to people who want them, oh. and I told them that, <laughs> Oh, it's plenty of time because you plant them in the spring. But I find out I'm wrong. Now, right now, this is this is quite <laughs> interesting actually because yeah. um, uh, they're nare- one of the nareens, aren't they? A Jersey lily. I don't know. They are. Yes, uh-huh. uh, as grown in Jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're grown as a cut flower in Jersey as well, I think, aren't they? Yeah. Um, now, you know. You're in a garden centre, yeah. Dave, um, up at Abercorn, and of course your summer flowering bulbs, as they're called, mm-hmm. I know they're not all bulbs, Noreen is a bulb, yeah. isn't it? Uh, they're all in now. Are they, so you've got Noreen's in at the moment? Yeah, so at the moment they're a dormant bulb, um, and as they probably will be in the ground, you might find if you lift some out the ground they would have some root on them, but that's, that's fine, that's what, they, what they're like. Um, so it's probably now is a good time to, to lift them out and you can give them out to your friends um, and they can plant them. Oh, it's not too late. I now I heard it should be in the autumn. Well, mine was still blooming at Christmas. No, no, no. I would never move them in the autumn. It is a bit the... strange because sometimes you can get nareens in as part of the autumn collection. collection, but generally the best time to plant them is from the bulbs that you can get now going into the spring. Um, and obviously, if you're planting new bulbs and if you want them to flower quite quickly, then it's best to plant them high in the soil. It's just so the oh, nose I do is that. just. Yes, I do it. that. And mine bloom in September. Yeah, yeah. I've got and a clump in the front garden and they, they do the same. Yeah. So uh, they can be planted now. Yes, you yeah. Say? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even if... while the, the ground is very cold. Well, they'll be no colder than where they are now, will they? So well, mine are in the garage because. <laughs> I, oh, why then? Hang on. Why are yours in the garage? Don't you leave them because, in? Because um, they've been behind a little fence and um, they've knocked the fence down because they've multiplied so much. So um, I've had to pull the fence up and dig them out. Right. All right. So get them in. Get, get them, them back planted. in the garage. I'd no, get them yeah. all planted as soon as you can. I wouldn't. Oh, I you wouldn't would. Oh, out. well, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Because I, I thought if they plant them now, they won't get any bloom this year. And you know, if you I'm plant wrong, them and plant I? them higher, there's every chance. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for your help. Time now to look at plant of the week. This week, we're going to be talking about daphnies, and they were first described in you know any form. In other words, written down as a great great plant in 
was in 1753. Difficult to believe, isn't it? Anyway, it means Daphne means laurel in Greek. I think that's because some of the evergreen ones have a very uh, laurel-like leaf, although it's a lot smaller. They're a mix. You've got deciduous Daphnes, you've got evergreen Daphnes, and they're actually, they come from mostly Europe and Asia. A couple of species, believe it or not, can be used to make paper. The other important thing is that all parts of Daphnes are poisonous, especially the berries. Some of the varieties uh, that are evergreen, um, again, they've got, I say, a pinnate leaf, a bit like a laurel. The leaves are arranged alternatively and they flower at the end of the stems. A lot of, got, a lot of the evergreen ones are sort of uh, white green flowers and some of the deciduous ones are sort of pinky and perfumed. Maybe a bit of purple in there as well. So they're actually rather nice. Fruits are often red, yellow or black. But due to the high fragrance, I'll tell you where you want to plant them. Somewhere where you're going to smell them at this time of the year. So don't put them at the end of the garden because you never go at the end of the garden in January or February, do you? So they are. Put them somewhere where you can smell them. They grow quite well in containers, but you must see that they don't dry out. But let's think about where you're going to put them. By the front door, by the back door, where you walk to the shed. They're the sort of places you want to plant them. Um, what can they deal with? Well, they can deal with sun and they can deal with partial shade. They don't like heavy shade and they definitely, which is why I mentioned it on the containers, they cannot tolerate drought. So you can't put them into a container that would dry out a great deal. And they definitely don't like being waterlogged. Best planted in spring because they're a bit of a fussy plant and mulch them to keep the roots nice and cool. They grow about two to three foot wide and high and they're generally propagated from seed. Uh, one of the favourite varieties is Jacqueline Postil or you can get Miserianum which is a deciduous one which has pink flowers or there's Odora marginata Again, grows about four foot high, has variegated leaves as well. But the perfume's what you grow them for, but don't forget, all parts of the plant are poisonous. And let's talk to Don in South London. Where are you in South London then, Don? Hello, New Eltham. Oh, New Eltham. Oh, nice to have you as a listener from New Eltham then. And what can we do for you, Don, today? Um, I'd like to know what vegetables I could grow in shade. Right. Now, <laughs> the, the answer is no vegetables grow as well in shade. No. <laughs> That's the first answer. Um, vegetables that grow I in would, shade. You could do potato, couldn't you? Potatoes, they may just stretch a little bit. I would even, anything, I always apply in, in gardening in general, anything that's got a big green leaf is more tolerant of shade positions because they've got more leaf and dark green to take light. So, so spinach, spinach, cabbages. cabbage sprouts you know the, the the brassicas you could probably go down that that route with those i would avoid anything that requires ripening so anything right, most that last word the sprouts cabbage collies things like that anything that has a fruit i.e like tomatoes and and things like that 
avoid those in a, in a shady position because you'll probably yeah. struggle to get them to ripen. Carrots would work. Carrots are fine. Parsnips, parsnips will, will be fine in that situation. They're not going to do as well. No. Because of the light levels. But, but you'll get a good, you know, good crop from them opposed to anything that would need the sun to ripen the fruit. So anything that's going to fruit in the ground or you're eating the leaf and the plant itself rather than the fruit would probably be the way to go. Oh, fine. Thank you. And it gets a bit of sun in the height of summer, but not at this time of year. Yeah. If you've got some sun, you'll be on, you could even put lettuce and radish in if you've got yeah. a bit of sun during yeah, the middle of the day. Quick crops would be perfect. Quick crops. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, uh, that's good because I, I wrote it all off. You see, I thought there wouldn't be anything grew there. No. Well, that's you- fine. Don, come back and let us know in the, you know later on in the year, A, if you want help, but B, let us know how the crops are going. We'd love to hear from you. Certainly. OK. Thank you very much for your call. That's Don from South London there, you see. We're all over the place, I tell you. Not only that, we are on the BBC Sounds app and you can get us there as well. But yeah, don't forget, I keep reminding you, you can't find us under gardening yet. You have to go to Ken Crowther. That's the only way you can find the app for this programme. Uh, Steve from Chelmsford. Hello, Steve. Hi, Ken. Hey, you probably won't remember because you get lots of calls, but I phoned up last year, me and my wife... Uh, we just getting into uh, pl- planting some veggies in our garden and I had a problem with blight on the potatoes. Uh-huh. And, and uh, I took your advice and I got a lovely crop of onions from that plot. Now, what I'm calling up for now is we, we've got into it that much that we've just had the landscape gardeners finished and I've got two lovely beds, one deep for like, parsnips and carrots and what uh, and what not so deep but i'm eager to plant is there anything that i can plant now yes we've got a, the yes. day will give you a nice <laughs> list of things you can plant right now yeah, yeah. Well, i mean things like um not quite yet but you can certainly sow parsnip early so you can get into february with some of the varieties on those um, and obviously you've got potatoes don't plant them now but buy them and start thinking about chitting them in a few weeks time it do take right. a while um onions shallots garlic will all go, be fine that, they that can go, go in. in can't it yeah i mean i tend to do them in the cell trays get them going and plant them growing but you could but you in. could plant them straight in um in right. now and obviously get yourself to out to look at the seeds and make sure you've got your seeds ready for the year to come we've got loads of seeds what what we do uh, or what we do this is my wife this we go off season we buy all the seeds reduced for like 10p a pack 20p a pack <laughs> so we've got loads of seeds to choose from perfect what about broad bean yeah you could get away with that and, and some of the February peas broad bean yeah. an early was it early first early yes is it called first early yeah onward onward it's onward first early p is there actually any potatoes because i got told you could plant potatoes any year so is there any no potatoes? No, no they're not they're not frost hardy a potato is not frost hardy therefore if the ground gets frosted you will actually destroy them it's when they right. particularly when they put the green shoots up above the ground the frost comes along and just keeps knocking them back which is all right now and again you know if you just catch it a bit but um certainly yeah. too early to plant them but you can start thinking about chitting them. So you, you put them in an egg tray somewhere with slightly well, cool but frost-free um, yeah, and light. I've got a propagator, so... Don't put no, them in no. a propagator. No. <laughs> oh, right, OK. See, see I'm a novice. So, That's it. So, so a cool windowsill indoors that has plenty of light through it and just stand them 
on an egg tray, no compost, no soil, just, just let them sit there and you'll see little shoots, the eyes develop, much like what happens when you forget to use your spuds that you buy from the shops. Now, if you've had blight, then you can look out for a few, I don't know whether, do retailers sell some of the Sarpo range? Yeah, I mean, Mira, Sarpo Mira is probably the most common one you can across. Did you uh, get that one? Across. Sarpo Mira, which is blight, yeah, blight free. Because, uh, because I've had the landscapers in now and it's just completely top soil and good soil in there, is there still a chance of getting blight or should that be okay now? No, hang on. It's but not... blight is everywhere. It's just whether you, it's you air, suffer. It's airborne. So, in fact, I don't right, know. Okay. I don't think I'd have ever said it was in the soil because it's no. actually airborne. To some right, years okay. are worse than others, really. And, that, you know, I think in certain areas seem to be worse than others. Um, so, it's safe... Blight is more and more common than it ever really has been. Um, so it's safe to use something like Sarpamira. You're going to get Sarpa less problems. Sarpamira. With an S on the Lovely. front. Yeah. Okay. Tasha, that's great. And I'll be back in touch to let you know how I get on. Steve, Lovely. no problem at all. We'd love to hear from you. Progress, you. progress on plots is great to hear. Let's now go to Maria from Grays. Hello, Maria. Good morning. Um, I think I've come up against a little bit of a problem. What's the problem? I listen then? to your show every Saturday in case I do things, you know, I learn really well. Good. I live in a, I live in a high-rise block of flats mm-hmm. and I'm growing so many plants. But I bought, um, oh God, no, wasn't it? Uh, like a... You know, one of these plants that grow only in hot countries. Um, yeah, a house plant, a tropical plant. Yeah, and because I live in a high rise, I grow all my plants on the window ledges because, you know, I haven't got a garden. Mm-hmm. And um, all of a sudden, uh, it's got a very thick stem. And now it's growing loads of leaves on it. It's really taking over. Yeah. And I don't know what else to do with it. I water my plants once a week when I've listened to your program. See well, if, if I can pick up any tips. If it's on a windowsill and it's getting too big, then you can probably get away no, with it. No, it's in, in not the house, on is the it? windowsill. It's on a little table. Right. Well, uh, it's hard to know exactly without yeah. what but it is. But one of the things but... you can do with a lot of the house plants, if it's got a, a, a thick stem and the leaves, the leaves are coming off the stem, are they? Yeah. If the leaves yeah, are no, coming, the thickness, the thickness still there. Yeah. What you... all these leaves are, are, you know, growing and growing. Yeah, what you can do is you can always cut house plants. Don't be afraid of mm. cutting them, and then, but not this time of year. You've got to wait a couple of months till yeah. the light levels are better. You can always cut a house plant back, and then if it bleeds a lot, you just use a bit of charcoal, buy a bit of charcoal from an art shop, and sprinkle the charcoal onto the cut, and that will help to seal it. All right. And the other question was, thank you for that. The other question was... Um, I'm growing um, oh, uh, a plant with, uh, hang on, I'm just getting the name of it out. 
It's the Phillies. And I've grown it for years and years and years. Um, what are you growing? It's a house plant. Yeah, what house plant um, is it? And it's got uh, loads of leaves. Uh, first of all, um, I can't think of the name of it. Is it an orchid? Orchid? No, I'm not very good with orchids. They all die off them. Um, not a spider plant or a money plant? Yeah, that's it. You just said it. What, spider plant? Plant. Well, I thought it was the male one. I've had it for, oh God, about two or three years. Mm-hmm. And it was doing very well. Then all of a sudden, um, I noticed um, a different leaf on it. Was it and green it, opposed to stripy? It it started growing like flowers. Oh, they do grow flowers. They were white, little white flowers on stems. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, they do they that. They died off. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it because I've had it for quite I mean, the flower years. stems just cut those back. And quite often with spider plants, you get pups on the end like strawberry runners. Um, and you can, you know, get those going as and well you, as a new you, plant to replace the old. And if it's been there a long time, we were putting in a slightly bigger pot in yeah. March, wouldn't it? And yeah, getting it growing just get on. it growing on. Maria, thank you very much for your call regarding houseplants. And we're going to move to Daphne from Lee. Hello, Daphne. Mm, well, we're hello. talking orchids, aren't we? Yeah, Ken, I've got an orchid which bloomed beautifully, two long stems, finished blooming. Do I cut those stems back? <laughs> right. It <laughs> depends. It depends. How about that? It depends. Are they brown or are they green? No, I think they're brown now. Now, are you sure? Yeah, I will have another look. Because if they're brown, the answer is yes. You cut can cut them, them right back. If they're right. green, you go down three nodules. You run your fingers down as you feel the nodules. Go right. down th- go down three and then snip it off. And chances right. are you'll get them to reflower from those positions. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And what oh, well, I should would you give- try that. And w- when would you give them any food, Dave? <laughs> Probably Sorry? not... I wouldn't give them food until we see the flowering coming. Not not in the winter. No, just rainwater. Yeah, if you can get hold of it, yeah. Not a lot of rain about. <laughs> no, no. Um, but just wait until you're getting some growth and the, the light levels and give them a feed. But if you if you do it too much now, they just want to produce leaf and won't enjoy it. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Thank you very much for your help. That's a pleasure. I shall, that... I shall go and attend to them straight away. As long as you keep listening, we're happy. 0800 111 That's the number to call. And we're talking gardening all the way through till 12. We're here on BBC Essex and, of course, the BBC Sounds app. Uh, let's now go to... Where are we going? We're going to talk to Lee. You're over, You're in Suffolk, aren't you, Lee? I am indeed. Are you did is are you driving or are you stationary? I'm stationary. <laughs> uh, that's what I like to hear. What what how how can we help you today over the border there? Um, I just want to know. Um, you know when a rose dies off, when the head dies off, and it mm-hmm. makes like the seeds inside the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, could I actually grow a rose from the seed? <laughs> if you can really be bothered to, you could. Um, I could actually do it, could I? But it's quite a, a long job. You know, they don't. You won't just sow seeds and they'll grow and flower. 
Um, no, no, no. And it very much depends, you know, if it's hybrid roses and you've got a, a hip on there, the seeds on there, um, then you'll get various response, results from that, some of which may not be that pleasing and some might be. I mean, new varieties are formed from taking seed, um, mm-hmm. but you're then going into uh, grafting them onto rootstock and things like that if you want them right. to succeed long term. It's quite fun grown, to sow them and see what like, comes, but I have grown some from like cuttings from one to you know, yeah, and uh, yeah. But I just wondered if I could actually do that. So it is possible, but yeah, you don't know what you're going to get. You right, know, unless okay. it's a species rose, you know, like Rugosa or one of the ones that you see in the hedges, which are species, they're true. You could sow the seed from that, and you'll get what it come from. If it's a hybrid right. rose, you'll you get. Anything you don't know, it might be horrible, <laughs> it might be lovely. Um, you well, just don't well, know. It's worth a try, I suppose. It's, isn't it's it? fun, but it won't happen overnight. <laughs> no, no, indeed. <laughs> All right, lovely. Thank you very much for your time. That's All a right. pleasure. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Dave, what's your first tip? Well, obviously, in the garden centre, we're in a new season or the, the hope of a new season to come. And there's things that are landing now, like sea potatoes um, and things like that, that people do like to get in early on them and buy them. And quite often, if you want certain varieties, they often do go Disappear. quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, how long people look after them, because really it's still a bit early to think about um, chitting them and so on. But I think people just like to get their, their babies at home and safe, ready to do so. You've got to keep them out of the frost, so you have to be a bit careful with That's them. That's it. It's just got to stick cool and dry. Um, but when you're ready to chip them, I hear people putting them in dark, warm places to try to get them because I think they see them in the, the potato bags when they buy them from the shops in the dark and they, they shoot. But really, it's light and cool. You want a nice, stocky chit. When those shoots start coming, the more joints there is, hopefully the more potatoes you'll get from it. So somewhere light and cool, not hot, because they will just run up and stretch and you'll have some triffids that you're trying to plant. Would you try new varieties as well? I certainly would around here because we're on heavy soils and not all varieties like heavy soils. Mm. They all come with you know, guides as to whether you want to have them for potatoes being boiled, baked, chipped, mashed and so on. But they don't often talk about soil conditions that they like. Um, certainly one round, round here that I've always grown and always get on with is kestrel. Yep. Um, and it's a, it's a second early that you can just leave in the ground and then harvest it later as a main crop as well. So one fits all, because quite often one bag, a two kilo bag of potatoes, will do about a 25 foot row. That's a lot of potatoes if you're going to do Mm. two or three varieties, you've got a garden full. So these sort of multi-use ones are good, and the slugs don't eat them. So if you're leaving them in the ground, you're not going to be digging them up with slug holes and problems in there. So that's a good variety, certainly that does well on Essex heavy soil. Good one. And what's what's your second tip? Well, we've got onion sets, garlic sets, shallots and so on. If you want small pickling shallots, small shallots, a lot of the guys will grow those in either sea trays, nice deep sea trays or pots, because otherwise in the ground they will get too big. So they can be getting going. And also with onion sets, you always get the ones that don't wake up quite so quick as the others. Um, And rather than plant them straight in the ground, if you get a, a, a cell tray, one probably a 20 segmented into 24 rather than the 40 and you can actually set them into the cell trays and when it comes to planting you can plant all the ones that are getting away strongly 
You don't waste space in the veg plot oh, with ones that are getting good going. Good idea, isn't it? It yeah. stops the old rodents coming along and hooking them out as well. Because that's the other problem. And birds do the same. That's it. They? they just see something poking out and Woof. hook it out of the that's ground. It. So use cell trays, get them started, and then you'll have a flying start when you're planting them. Thank you, Dave. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's now go back to the phones to Ian in Hullbridge. Hello, Ian. Um, Hello, Ken. You're a bit of a vegetable grower, I believe. Is that right, yes, Ian? Yes, yes. I grow vegetables. I've got two allotments in Holbridge, and uh, I grow vegetables uh, for showing as Ooh. well as eating. That's nice um, to hear that you're... I'll just interrupt you there. It's nice to hear that you're showing because not enough people do show today, do they? No, no. It's a, it's a real problem. I mean, our... Uh, our vegetable show is pretty good in Holbridge, but uh, we could do with more and more people putting stuff in. Yeah. I put in um, 60, probably 60 entries every year, and uh, it's it's probably a, a quarter of all the entries that go in. So if I didn't <laughs> do it, then it would fall apart, I think. <laughs> oh, dear. So what if you're a, such a good vegetable grower, what are you rigging us here at BBC Essex for, then? Well, I've got a I've got a problem with parsnips. Um, oh yeah, I grow parsnips for showing mm-hmm. as well as cooking. But uh, the ones I grow for showing, I go in in large plastic tubs. Um, <clears throat> I make holes all the way down, fill it with special soil, and then uh, put the uh, germinated seeds on top of that. Now I germinate them in the kitchen on. Um, um, wet paper yeah. uh, until they start showing signs of life and then what I do I take each individual one and put them in the in the uh, top of the hole um, <clears throat> in the plastic bin um, but uh, I would say half of them don't continue continue to grow they just die off um, so I have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and of course they get later and later on in in the year. And uh, you've got nothing to not, show. <laughs> well, they're not big enough to show. That's the problem. <laughs> so what I was thinking of doing this year was to plant them in decomposable sleeves. So put one in a decomposable sleeve. Um, once I see that that starts growing, then I'll put the sleeve in the top of the hole in the uh, plastic container um, and then hopefully uh, the sleeve will decompose and uh, the plant will carry on growing. See, I only uh, go... Think that's yeah. going to work? Well, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I just... I, I don't... I'm don't shaking my head. And <laughs> what we, I, I don't know that I'd go for that, would no, you? No, I mean, I, as you probably know, I show a, a few flowers and things that are fairly high standard and... I know a few growers that show, you know, at Harrogate and national level, carrots, mm. parsnips and so on. And I always talk to them about how they do it. And they ask me what I'm doing mm. with my dahlias. And um, they, they do much the same as you. They're grown in barrels normally, the, the blue barrels that you get. That's um, it. That's they're normally grown yeah. in sand and then cored yeah. out with the soil in. That's exactly what I do, yeah. That's yeah. it. Now, they do the same as you and they will chip them on, on uh, kitchen paper. Um, and when the first roots show, first root just hooks out the seed, mm. um, is when they're transplanted. Which um, is what I do, yeah. Yeah, but what they do do normally is put two or three In each, seeds per, yeah. chitted seeds per station. Do you yeah. do that? 
Yes, I do that as well. So yeah. He's, he's doing yeah. what everybody does. Because then you can it? then obviously with the one that if two die, you've still got one. If three go, yeah. you just winkle out the other two. Yeah. Um, the only thing you could possibly do, and it depends how high up the, the drum your uh, sand's coming, is whether you do that and then you put a, a polythene sheet over the top and a bit of string just to right. give you a slightly artificial warmer mm. environment yeah, just until you see that. Uh, I did put glass over the top last year and, uh, you know, that seemed to work for a while until the wind caught in. <laughs> Yeah. Blew it off and what about it, would, so. would fleece be better because that way you won't get any sweating mm. in yeah. a barrel? I was, I, was, I was thinking of putting fleece over the top. What uh, do you reckon, Dave? That would be the only thing you could do, and I, I know they do it when they're trying to get them early. I mean, it, there's a difference mm. between trying to grow giant parsnips and show parsnips because show you're, parsnips will turn around in a shorter time than trying to get them you're trying giant, to get the longest one aren't you if you're in a uh, well i'm trying to get the longest one win first prize yeah <laughs> it's usually the longest thickest ones that win yeah they well, look for a shoulder on a parsnip yeah. and it's tapering down uh, and nice and clean go, mine go very long um but depending at you know, when I can get them to germinate, it's how big they are. How bulky they are, yeah. yeah. sometimes they're not all that big, although they're very long. Do and, you think... Uh, mm. So when... Why don't, when, you, I'm why just, don't you think uh, the this sleeve uh, idea would work? The, the, the problem would be is if the, the sleeve, you, you've got to rely on that decomposing... Well, it says it decomposes in 100 days. yeah. I, that's a risk. To me, it's it's a risk that it doesn't, or there's enough there because you're you're doing everything for that taproot and the the root to grow straight and down the 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 tube or the the hole that you create for it. Yeah, but uh, the sleeve the sleeve has got a hole in the bottom. It's not. Um, yeah, it's just it, the, the in width. It could just reduce its width. Growth, yeah, it? yeah, the shoulder of the parsnip, basically. Yes, mm. you know, if it doesn't quite go in time, you you end up with a funny shaped parsnip. But yeah. I know exactly as you're saying is how guys that are winning, you know, best in show at national level are doing it. Because some mm. people do it in the ground in the same way. Yeah, I, I used to do it in the ground. Yeah. You know, I, I know I, and, Andrew Tokely steel does, bar. It, does it in the ground <laughs> with a, yeah, a steel bar and yeah. then v- produces basically a cone shape, Yes, which mm. he then grows the parsley in. And I'd do it in a row and plant them yeah. in the top but put a polythene mm. hoop over the top yeah. so they're, they're, oh, they're protected. Yeah. And I'd get them going into Jan early Feb. Um, and well, that it's, it's, very, it's very successful doing it in the bins mm. uh, once once they they start growing. But it's uh, just getting it growing, it's, isn't it? It's just getting them growing that I have this problem with. Uh, I'm right, just well, trying. I'm just trying to think what last year's weather was because the trouble is we forget what the weather was like. Was the weather? Mm. I'm just trying to think. Last year there was a bit of there was bad it's, germination, but in mm. fact you're germinating prior to putting them out. But there's poor oh, germination yeah, yeah, last no, spring, get, wasn't there? Uh, I get really good germination just on the kitchen window. It's mm. it's not a problem there. It's the only just, problem is I, you've got such I a young seedling that's it's not. It's a tiny in. seedling. I'm just wondering because we did get a cold spell followed by a warm, and it went. It did a, a sort of undulation in weather last mm. year. Um, I'm just wondering whether weather pattern wasn't helping you last year particularly. Mm. It's mm. always hard when you germinate something in one temperature and then you take yeah. it out and put it in another mm. temperature. And yes. it's such an embryo stage, isn't it? It's just got that That's little it. hook out the yeah. side of it. So yeah, it's I, I, obviously not very keen of uh, the change of weather. Get, getting going, yeah. yeah. I, w- I would put a, a fleece or polyphene or something over the top or both just to mm. insulate that, that 
initial, probably only need it for a week or two. Yeah. Um, and once you start seeing some seed leaves up, take mm. it off. But um, so, I would so certainly you think, just... think uh, at the end of this month, then I should start uh, the uh, germination Certainly process, for show, if you want yeah. some big yeah. shouldered parsnips, yeah. And Ian... Yeah. Could yes. you come back to us and let you let us know how you get on? Because, you know, it might be that we're right. Well, I just said could be the season. Can you let us know how you get on? Because we'd be interested. Yeah, certainly. Thank okay. you. That's Ian from Holbridge, who's having trouble moving that germinated seed into a thing. If you do that and you've been successful, have you got any little tips that you could give Ian? That's what we want to hear. And let's go to uh, Dwayne. Uh, you're from Morden, aren't you, Dwayne? We're talking... Oh, we're talking magnolias with mm-hmm. yourself, aren't we, Dwayne? We are, we are. Thanks for taking my call, guys, yes. Um, I have, um, well, thanks to my late father, planted a magnolia tree many years ago. It blooms beautifully in the summer. Um, it's got a little bit out of hand. Now, I've had a gentleman that's wanting to, he's offered to cut it back for me, and I want to know what time is the best time to cut it back. And, and he's obviously worked for a tree company, mentioning no names. He's offered to do it for free. Now, Even better. Take, yes, he wants to take some cutting, so it could be a win-win situation for both of us. Right, um, hang on. So Can I check? Is it is it an evergreen or is it a deciduous? Does it lose its leaves? It does very much so. Okay. All right. So it's so it's really it's because the, the evergreen ones flowers more summer than yeah. than spring and the others. So yours will be coming into flower fairly soon, within the next month or so. Right. So you wouldn't prune both. it. You wouldn't prune it now. No, let it flower and then prune. And what about okay. taking cuttings, Dave? Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't bother, would you? <laughs> you wouldn't bother. <laughs> um, if someone wants to, they can. But you know, again, it's a long old, um, a long trip trip to to get from cutting to a, a sensible size plant, which is why they're it expensive. Very, in the... He seems very keen to do this, though. Yeah, well, good. Yeah, and it's free. It sounds good to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so you, you suggest let it bloom. Let it bloom, and then you can prune it. And you can prune. I mean, you can prune magnolia is quite hard, but if you want flower the following year, you prune straight after flowering this year. Very good. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. That's a pleasure. That's what we're here for on BBC Essex and the BBC Sounds app. That's Ken Crowder on the BBC Sounds app, and you're listening to the gardening phone-in all the way through till 12 o'clock. Give us a call now on 0800 111 and we go to Valerie in Little Tottenham. Hello, Valerie. Oh, good morning. Right, we've got an, expa- an asparagus bed. We've had yeah. it for six to seven years. Lovely. It's in a raised bed, but it's not very successful. Really? And we thought we were going to start again and put it in the main garden. But can you give us any advice? Right. Well, firstly, can you can you tell me why it isn't why it's not successful? What you said it's in a in a raised bed. Is that recently yeah. or? Yeah. More recently, or was good so and not good now? We started now. off with a raised bed, mm-hmm. and we put in about 30 plants. And it's a little asparagus. Two years, but we only get it coming up very sparse, really. Now, has it always... It's what Dave's getting at is, is it because you said it's been there a number of years... Yeah. Uh, has it always done that, or is it just recently it's deteriorated? No, it's always done it. So it's not happy where it is. No. Is do you enrich the soil? Do you add a, a good compost and manure around it at all? He hasn't done the manure because he didn't want to put too much on. Because <laughs> they're hungry, aren't they? They are hungry. Yeah. Um, right. 
But I'm, you can move them. It's not a problem. Yeah, yeah it's, it's getting a bit close to him. But the bit of the garden, it's sort of shady. Where he's going to move them to, and I'm not going to like it. No. no. Do you know what no. I'd do? I'd manure them, wouldn't you? Yeah. How old are they? It's got to be seven six, years old. Seven years old. Still all right. Yeah. Be? I would. I mean, you could always split them if they've got big clumps and and replant them. But I would just revitalise that bed. Um, mix some manure compost and garden compost in there. A uh, bit of blood fish and bone, really sort of bulk up the, the, the nutrients in there and the quality of the soil. Um, right. And quite a good way of doing it um, ongoing is to actually mulch with the manure or with the compost and let that go in there and then the shoots will come through that. But just see, it is not a fresh manure, yes. fresh compost, you know, fresh manure from a so stable anything because that will burn the tips. You want composted right. manure rather than right. manure. Okay, we will try that then. They are, they are hungry. Get on. Yep, let Good us luck. know how you get on, because Valerie, that's what we'd like to hear. What's going on in the garden? Well, we'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's have a final look at the top tips Dave has for us this week. Well, it's still cold and we're still looking at summer. So if you want summer colour and you want it cost-effective, really, that's the key with summer bulbs, um, it's a big saving. Most of the things you can buy as growing plants nearer the time, but you can probably times the cost of them by about three. Um, things like Caprosmia that you're going to buy later in the summer, flower later, you can get those as a pack of 10, 12 bulbs for about two pounds. So it's cheap, it, isn't it? It's cheap. You, you it? buy it as a perennial, a three litre perennial growing, you're probably around six to eight pounds. And you still get the flower, don't you? Yes, yeah, it's no different. I mean, you're just doing the early early start on the work. Things like begonias, if you want them for baskets, you can get those. And they almost start thinking about waking them up. They take a little while to wake up. And if you can get a nice big plant indoors to go outdoors, then the flowering's going to be better going on. And nerines, you know, they, oh. you know, they flower much later in the year, but they do need planting early, really. Isn't that why they get forgotten? Because... If you read the packet, it says flowers sort of late summer, autumn. Yeah. And, and you don't think, you're thinking early summer, aren't That's you? That's it, you're, you're planting for that for yeah. now. And really, you have to get them in. And the trick with those is to plant them high in the ground so that almost the noses of the bulb is out the ground and the sun can get on them in the summer. And that will mean they will flower in that first and second year. Quite often, they take a little while to get into flower and form a clump because they're, they're planted deep you don't use the tradition of the three times the bulb in depth plant it high let the sun get to them so and what what's your next tip because well yeah. you know it's me it's not gonna be dahlias is it it might oh, be oh it's gonna be dahlias <laughs> they're, they're also there and there's a sea of varieties and i even had one of my staff said to me what makes them a dahlia because that one's only got eight petals and that one's this and that was there's such a diverse thing for the garden such a diverse flower type color form so while the varieties are there go and have a look at them pick what you like again probably too early to wake them up but store them cool and dry and preferably out of the packet out of the packet out of the packet they will sweat the packets normally got holes in them but it will cause you want airflow so just take them out of the packet keep the label the front of the packet with them so you know what you've got and then probably about end of feb march depends on what facilities you've got Pop them into a pot, ready to wake them up. Don't just plant a dormant tuber in the ground in March because it's cold and it's wet and it will sit there for ages and not want to go. Now, Tim's just brought some uh, leeks in. Why don't you think <laughs> we should have a look at these? 
Let's have a look oh, at the leaks. Let's have a look at his leeks, shall we? Well, what do you think of those? Well, uh, yep. Yeah. Like finely sliced with potato. Yeah, they're about two inches across, aren't they? That's not bad. That's not bad, no. I reckon... What did you do? What do you do to them? Fry them. Slice them thinly and then with potato or cabbage. Leeking cabbage is always nice steamed or fried or in, with, in like a bubble and a squeak with potatoes. There you go. Yeah, you get culinary tips as well. <laughs> 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 Thanks very much, Dave. I wanted actually just to quickly go to Chris Goodwin. He sent us a picture, hasn't he? And he said, I've got what I'm hoping are self-sown hellebores, smaller two-leaf seedlings, as per the picture. I was hoping to move, transplant them to another part of the garden. When is the best time to do it? When they have delivered full leaves, like the larger ones in the photo, or, you know, in other words, when, or should he? what should he do with them? I'd what pot them up with yeah you? i mean it's got a pot full there of what looks like seedlings across the pot um so those plants won't develop particularly well so take, that close with a dibber take dibber them out. out put them in individual put them in a little three inch pot individually and then you can just bulk them up until you've got a proper a plant. handleable plant and then you can plant them wherever you like then and you've got more chance of them going on and growing on moving little seedlings like that you know into ground could it could end up you'd lose a few and they are quite tiny still, yeah. aren't they? I mean, they're literally two leaf. Two leaf. Two leaf. Too small, too small to handle. Perfect for pricking <laughs> out, but not for planting. No. They are. So they are. Thank you very much, Chris, for your email. Sorry we've taken this long to get to you when I mentioned you right at the beginning of the programme. <laughs> uh, let's uh, now go to Eric in South Woodham Ferrers. Eric, are you out in the garden or are you sitting indoors in out of the cold? Half and half. <laughs> <laughs> what do you... What do you what I've got, Ken, I've got a shrub that I can't identify. It's um, it's about a metre high in a pot, and it's got like it's got a strong green colour leaves, but like a bay leaf, but much bigger, and uh, loads of buds. And when it comes out, it's like a, a big white flower. Looks like a rose, like a snowball. Is it? And it's got leaf all the year. Yeah, yeah, it's evergreen. Yeah. Sounds like a um, oleander, doesn't it? Is it yeah, a big what, cluster of flowers or a single flower? Uh, the clusters. Some clusters are in pairs, some are in three or four, you know. Yeah. And what and are, the, are they deep green leaves or grey yeah, green they leaves? They are, no, they're deep green leaves. All oh, right. Oh, not, Chameleon? It's not that. Chameleon? Hmm. When, do they, when do they flower? Well, I don't... <laughs> I thought they'd start to come out about now, but... the Chameleon, yeah. It's going to happen, you know, but... I haven't seen much action on camellias yet anyway, yeah, but I, I would say yeah. if it's a rose-looking flower, and you, they, yeah. they come in clusters in the sense that you get two or three buds on the tip, and yeah. it's a, a dark green leaf, it looks like a tea leaf, because that, that's correct. That's camellias it. are, that's where they come from. Um, so I would say you've got a camellia, which is an ericaceous oh. plant, so it doesn't like lime. So if you're going to give right. it a feed, use a, a lime-free feed. Um, right. okay. And yeah, it's a lovely plant for a nice do big I start, pot. Do I, how often do I feed that now? During the wintertime or I wouldn't until till spring. So really, get into March and you'll see some signs of you know it'll be flowering. Start feeding it. You can use. I would personally just use a granular feed, and you can get like a slow release feed that's for ericaceous plants. It's a horrible word, but that's what would be on the bottle. Um, and and just give it a, a slow release feed and just do that every month, every couple of months, just so there's something there. The key to camellias flowering the following year is looking after them after 
they're flowered this year. And through that late, particularly that summer period, because they're producing next year's buds between July and September, aren't they? Yeah, and most people water them like fury because they're flowering and look lovely. And then as soon as they finish flowering, they go, all right, that's done, and stop. And then you get buds that fall off and they're hollow the following year because they're forming them fairly soon after they're finished. Right. On the um, yeah, I'm with you on that. That's brilliant. Thanks a lot. I know in the past that the 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 actual flowers started to brown quite a lot. Is that that's, that's frost? It's frost or su- you know on sunlight on the flower where you've had a frost. Oh, okay, no worries. It's a problem it's with them flowering early. Is it in a pot? Did you yeah. say it's in a pot? It is in a pot. Yeah. Well, keep it out of morning sun. Put it oh, somewhere. Okay. Put it somewhere where it gets shade till about mid-morning and you won't get that burning necessarily you won't get as much burning anyway on the um on the flowers on the flowers that's brilliant okay yeah thanks very much that's eric from south wood affairs we got a line free if you'd like to give us a call on 0800 111 that's 0800 111 we can fit your calls in but i'm going to go to some of the uh some of the uh, what do you call it texts that we've got (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on 81333, start the word, put Essex on the front and we'll get them here in the studio. How about this one from Jack from Onga? Says, I have a 30-year-old pear tree which badly needs pruning. How do I find someone who's an expert, not just a man with a saw? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh really, but Jack, I do sympathise heavily with you. Don't you, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why does firstly everybody thinks that um, uh, everything is easy? Yeah. Pruning fruit trees is actually as much a skill as actually doing so many jobs in life, isn't it? And people don't appreciate that, and they think that if you've got a, a, a saw and a pair of secateurs, you can just go around <laughs> pruning anything. Well, you can't. Gardening is a skill. And it's a skill that is generated over many, many years, not only just going to college, but also out there doing Experience. it with other people that can tell you. Um, 30 year old, chances are, and you might, Jack, I don't know whether you, you're old enough to do it yourself. A 30 year old pear tree won't need much pruning. No. It will need, what's the rules? Come on, Dave. What's the rules on all fruit trees at this time of year? Well, it'll be dead, diseased, and dying. And, cro- and crossing bits. <laughs> and crossing, so opening up and just, just making sure it, it's an open tree. They can just get a little bit dense, but just take out anything that, that is dead, anything that doesn't look happy, and just make sure that you haven't got branches rubbing and there's a bit of air around, so when they're fruiting, they fruit quite easily and freely without clashing into each other. Go to a good garden centre, and if you ha- can't do it yourself, go to a good garden centre or use somebody that is recommended. Yeah. And unfortunately... Although we're both gardeners, we can't recommend people on there. We're not allowed to. <laughs> we're not an advertiser. We can't advertise. Sorry about that, Jack, but uh, I do appreciate your problem there. We're going to go nip back to the phones to Diane from Cressing. Hello, Diane. Hello. What you got? Uh, my question is, um, I've got two roses, and they're in tubs outside, mm-hmm. but they're under a carport, so they're drying out. Am I supposed to water them throughout the winter, or do I leave them dry? I would give them a bit of water, it won't hurt. If they're in the ground, they'd be out getting rained on and getting watered, wouldn't they? So, oh, so um, let them dry out is really... No, not too much, no. No, don't no. soak them. I mean, don't, don't you know, saturate them so they're sitting in water. Yeah. Give them a drink, but you probably won't need to do it for another week, two weeks, depends on the weather. But, you know, it's not a daily job, but, you know, 
There's no like, need for them to be under a carport. You could pop them outside and let, let the normal rain uh, do it as they go. But if you're keeping them there, then just don't let them dry out too much. Are you keeping yeah, them there? Lovely. Are you keeping them there because they're growing there? No, I'm just um, because they're under a carport, but they're right by my back door, so it just looked a bit more. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah. So they're there for ornamental purposes. So the answer is yes, water them. Yeah. Right. Okay, then that's lovely. Thank you. That's Diane from Cressing. With uh, it's interesting because we're we're inclined to think we don't. You said it earlier. So many plants we forget in winter, and you mm. can't forget anything in winter, really, yeah. totally, can you? Um, another text um, that's on eight one triple three. Start your message with the word Essex. I've got a Daphne Adora. They are beautiful. It's coming into flower. It's a foot tall, and it's a bit leggy. How do I get it to bush out? And that's from Roger. Well, it's flowering now, so you enjoy it. They're not easy. Yeah. They're not an they're, easy They're one. not an easy thing, and that's quite a young plant still. It is. And when they're young, they do just throw what we well, call them water shoots, but they tend to have a, the odd strong shoot that does want to um, grow and stretch away. I would leave them alone, let it flower, um, and perhaps when we get into end of March, April, just nip the tip out of it. To try and try get and that strong shoot new... to branch out, but they seem to do it themselves in the end. But they don't like hard pruning. They do don't they? like messing so... about with it at all. Really. No, they so... don't. No, they're, they're actually, and that's why they're always recommended again to plant in the spring because yeah. they don't like mucking about with no. it at all, do they? No, so they don't just... like moving. They don't like pruning. They don't like it too wet. Too uh, once if you get one and it's happy, they're fantastic plants. They're gorgeous, aren't they? Getting them happy is not always easy. And we've got a note from Patrick, and Patrick says, Is it too late to purchase and plant some roses? I'm alone and in grief. I want to plant many in memory. Lovely plant for memory, aren't they, roses? Yeah. You could buy bare root roses, or you Still could buy just a container. About, but, yeah, most of the new season um, containers are in You know you're in. a man from yeah. a garden centre. <laughs> we've got a, got a load on their way. Generally, as a, it's hard with garden centres because... You're trying to do things at the right time, but most of the nurseries tend to have their main stock of availability. So if you want a nice choice of varieties, ready for the early spring, um, where it used to always be autumn. And, yeah, uh, you know, I can remember those days, can you? Yeah, things change, <laughs> unfortunately, and they, they, they do a baseline ready for the autumn, but certainly coming in early spring, soon now on, you'll, you'll have the biggest choice um available and it's a good time to get them planted before they really start coming into growth and the other thing about it is there's also i mean she's saying um oh sorry he patrick's saying he wants to buy them in memory mm. there's actually a lot of really pertinent names now aren't yeah. there that would match oh, yeah. thoughts of other people yeah and they're not these necessary ones that would strike that to you and i because you've got your That's own right. personal memory so there's so many names colors forms and shape and there'll be an attraction to one that are fit and if you, if you, Patrick, you are a person that's into the web and you can't find what you want in a local garden centre, you can actually go and find that rose, yeah. which is a website that you can look up specific names and it will tell you where they're obtainable from, which is a fantastic... I know we've, I've used it in the past yeah. and I'm sure we all use. Find That Rose is a very good... It's a little booklet... Um, but you can also go to the web page and it's find that rose and you will find one in people's names that you wouldn't actually necessarily find in a garden centre right. as well. Yeah. Well, um, let's now go to our final one for today. Uh, sawfly infestation two years ago on raspberries, pulled up the plants. Is it safe to replant the same thing? And that's John in Thundersley. <laughs> um, 
well, I mean, an hour a yeah. year. It's two, I, two, year, uh, two years should be. Should be fine. It? And I think it's a case I would perhaps replant and just use, a, you know, preventive spray, keep an eye out on things. Um, and so there you go. But, yeah. Sawfly's a devil, isn't it? Yeah, I probably wouldn't have just dug them up anyway with it and tried to... No, I'd have treated, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. Is there still something we can get for spraying for sawfly? Um, I think that some of the uh, pesticides will do them on contact. And there's other things, although they might not say it on the box, but the vine weevil killers that you use as a drench can quite often be quite beneficial for, for other things as well, and it will get into the system. So I would have perhaps gone down that route before clearing the bed, but why not? Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Look for Ken Crowther. Don't forget, you have a gardening question for us. Why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11.